from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything in between. Alongside Sean Fazan joining us from the Windy City and John Bennett producing, I'm Chris Hagan. Today we're talking about that Saints dominant win in Chicago. But first, we want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and tell your friends. And if you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit a question. Sean Fazan. We could hear the music in the locker room during all the interviews. What's the mood of that team right now? Uh, very, 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 very happy. Five wins in a row. Um, and each win, you kind of feel like uh, each portion of the team kind of did their part. And they're happy. They're giddy. Um, they just came to Chicago, uh, a tough place to play against a very tough defense. And they kind of beat them at their own game, right? I mean, they dominated the line of scrimmage, really on both sides of the ball. And uh, here they are, 6-1, and one, and playing some really good football. Yeah, I think it's it's something that kind of went unnoticed um, going back to the be- last time the Bears were on the field in London taking on the Raiders, and Josh Jacobs and that Raiders offense were able to run the ball, and it felt like, um, you know, especially from what Coach Payton said after the game, that was going to be their game plan was to really get after them in the run, and, and obviously in the second half. You could tell they were uh, superior along the defensive or in the trenches. Period, both sides of the ball, and um, credit to Coach Payton for for um, using that to their advantage. And man, that couldn't have played better into the Saints' hands in a week where you're a little bit limited with your right. pass catchers and Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook. That you have this downhill runner, Latavius Murray, just waiting to have a breakout game. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, it really is something. You're just starting to see. Like the fruits of the labor of the personnel department with all these personnel decisions and the depth of the roster, but depth only takes you so far. It's depth combined with coaching uh, to be able to adjust certain game plans to fit certain personnel against certain opponents in certain situations. And you know, look, Chicago is missing Akeem Hicks. They are not the same defense without him, especially up front along the defensive line. And clearly, that defense is built through their defensive line. So uh, obviously, that that's their problem. But for the Saints. And they they exposed the weakness. Well, they didn't expose it, but they noticed the weakness and they kind of uh, hammered it home. And that offensive line it reminded me a few years ago when I was in Buffalo. Yeah, went against that vaunted D line, and it's yep. just, I'm watching the game, and it's just wow, the offensive line is just killing these guys. And you kind of felt that way. And this is even without a key mix. This is not a slouch in terms of the defensive line. You saw their numbers going into this game, and yet, I mean, it was just out execution, out technique. Out, you know, overpowering um, a defensive line. It was missing a very key cog, yes, but still, um, to, to dominate that much was the one portion of this game that I did not expect. I felt like that was going to be a little bit more of a tug of war, where it was pretty, pretty dominant from about midway to the second quarter on. And we talked about it uh, quite a bit, I would say, um, especially the last couple of weeks. Once the Saints' offensive line started to cut back on those penalties. This unit is having an outstanding season um, with what they've been doing, and it's another week, Sean. It's another week of not calling out a Demarcus Lawrence's name much. We're not mentioning Jadavian Clowney. We didn't mention uh, J.J. Watt. And this week, it's Khalil Mack, maybe the best of the bunch that they've faced yet. And, again, without Akeem Hicks, some things are different. You can afford to maybe throw a little more attention towards Mack. But still, um, the job that they did – 
and the amount of time that Bridgewater had to throw, not just the holes with Murray, but the amount of time Bridgewater had to throw and make plays and be moderately comfortable in that pocket for most of the game is remarkable. Really was something. And you're right, because they did run a ton of, if you notice, 64 reports eligible quite a lot today. I mean, mm-hmm. so they were they had their heavy personnel package in quite a bit uh, just, to, just to make sure uh, that guy off the edge would, would not disrupt the game. But, you know, look, there's a playmaker at every position. You know, you got Armstead. You got McCoy, who's one of the highest-graded centers right now. You got Ramchek, who's one of the best, if not the best, right tackle. You got two underrated guards. I mean, we know who they are, but I think league-wide, Larry Warford and Andrew Speed are probably more underrated, and they really fit in well with this unit. And, look, I gave Sean Payton – I said on Twitter I gave the game ball to Sean Payton because, frankly, there's a lot of dynamics at play, and uh, he's got to be the one that kind of sews it all together to to come in and – and find a way to win, regardless of how it looks. Well, it turns out it looked pretty dominant. So, uh, but outside of him, I'd have to go. Next up is is the offensive line. It just, I mean, they were elite today. I mean, they were truly special. Um, and they've cleaned up their their their, their kind of focused lapses that they've had earlier in the uh, in the season. To where now, when they're focused and when they're going, especially in a game like this, I mean, they can really take it over. One thing that that kind of surprised me was. Um, I guess the lack of attention or lack of extra attention that the Bears gave Michael Thomas, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's my first time really sitting down and looking at a box score past what I saw with my eyes. And you see, Michael Thomas, it was a quiet 131, nine reception for for, for 131. At least it felt quiet to me. But Mm -hmm. typically, I would think you would see, again, what the Eagles and Rams did in the playoffs last year, try and double Thomas and make someone else beat you. Um, he was still a bit of a, a safety blanket. He was able to be a safety blanket and um, make some catches for Teddy Bridgewater. And I was I was just a little surprised that the Bears didn't try and take him out of the game and and make you know uh, Bridgewater complete passes to Ted Ginn or uh, Josh Hill. Totally agree. And it was one of those things where as I'm watching, I'm like, okay, it's got to be coming soon, right? It's got to be coming soon after the third or fourth catch. It's got to be coming soon take their best player out of the game and let somebody else beat you and it just it just never happened and it they never adjusted to it and a little bit arrogant in my opinion uh i mean i know fuller is a, is a really good corner but i've seen michael michael thomas make some really good corners look foolish and uh, it just never really felt like uh they were going to give him much more help than what he got and that's kind of the results you get i know um it, it wasn't you know he didn't. I don't. He didn't score a touchdown, but he had that nice catch on that nice throw when Teddy rolled left. I thought it was his best throw of the game, and he had a, a bunch of kind of. He really worked well off the play action because they were getting just enough run game early in the game to where the play action was working. So he's working the kind of the you know the deep end, the deep hooks. Uh, of course, he always runs the slant route, but I agree, Chris. It just felt like that would have been an obvious one, right? And it just never happened. It really goes to show you that the Bears truly thought they could handle them one on one, and that their front four was going to be able to get a better pass rush, and it just never happened. Yeah, a couple miscalculations from, from the Bears, if you ask me. Like I, I know the Saints have a dominant uh, run-stopping front seven, but they didn't even try to run the football. And I know this, that the Saints were playing with a lead uh, for, the, for the whole second half, but I don't think it was, even when it was 19-10, to 10, I don't think it was at a point where the Bears had to completely abandon the run, and it just looked like uh, they quit in that department. So it was a little bit puzzling there um on the broadcast and and Peyton was asked the question after the game he denied it but they said the target uh for Breeze was the Cardinals game to return uh Peyton said incorrect not true 
Teddy looks his most comfortable uh, as we've seen him yet, especially when you look at that last throw he had to Michael Thomas where he's rolling out and mm -hmm. puts it over the top. If if Breeze isn't there, I, I just got to think you, you keep Teddy in there because or if Breeze isn't ready, I, I feel like you, you can't take Teddy out just to – just for the sake of getting Breeze back on the field because I think he's playing even better football than he was with Minnesota a few years ago. Yeah, he had a good, good effort today, a nice bounce-back effort. Obviously, last week he was a little off target. Uh, he had the good week against Tampa Bay. Um, I thought he was he was Teddy. I mean, this is who, this is who he is. I mean, he was 23-38, uh, two-something, two touchdowns, took care of the ball, uh, saw the field well, made good decisions. Um, you know, <laughs> it's funny, you know – He's kind of built for the for for this type of game, you know, uh, a game where you, the offensive line is going to take over. You're going to run the football. You're going to play some defense, and he just feels it, it. Just that's him. I mean that that's that's how, where he's most comfortable in those type of environments. And then you see, they'll start a little slow, start a little slow, and then every now and then they'll timely play, timely play, and then by the third or fourth quarter, a few of those add together with like, well, okay, he really finished with a really good game, and that's kind of how you felt uh, today. Uh, in Breeze's case, I think it's going to go with, you know, how he practices this week. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they said Breeze will be active. Um, now, active and starting may be two different things, depending on um, if he's healthy enough to play. Maybe they, you know, I, who knows the scenario? Because I guess technically he could be the, the number two in that scenario. Um, but if Breeze is healthy to go and wants to play, I would imagine uh, they're going to give him the green light. However, it's going to be about this week of practice. Um how does he look throwing the ball Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? He's already throwing the football right now. They say uh, he said that multiple times. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And it's an interesting thing to really kind of gauge because you're going up against a team that is a little unpredictable, right? You don't really know the identity of the Cardinals yet. They, I mean, they've won three straight, but you, know, you have Kyler Murray, who's a rookie, who's played better, but he's also played like a rookie at times. Uh, I don't really – I mean, Patrick Peterson's back. I mean, defensively, I, I don't know the numbers offhand. you got a rookie head coach. So sometimes, a, a, you know, a, an unknown team can be a little dangerous. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they play that. Um, it is a good sign, though, that here he is right on target and could be uh, ready to go. I mean, it just goes to show you that you know, he's, he, he's healed pretty quickly. And it, it's kind of a good problem to have, right, because at the very least, you got kind of steady Teddy that's there to calm the that's really calm the water you know the waters with him out and uh, if it's one more week so be it if Breeze is back so be it and uh, but look they're in a good situation regardless and you hit on it a little bit there um, not just with Breeze coming back but how do you approach you know Alvin Kamara trying to make a return or Jared Cook trying to make a return and um, Coach Payton had an interesting bite I believe it was Friday and. I know you've got an opinion on it. Just Peyton says if the if a guy is healthy, it's it's not as complex as you're looking at the opponent and bye weeks and how much rest you can get him. He said that doesn't come into to play really until you get to toward the end of the season and how you're going to approach the postseason. Um, basically, Peyton implying that if if guys are ready to go, they will play against the Cardinals. But I'm just not so sure. Just depending on the severity of Kamara or Cook, um, and given the way that this team was able to perform. This afternoon, you have to rush those guys back, and it's not disrespect to the Cardinals. It's just the fact that I think Latavius Murray is 
more than a serviceable back when the offensive line plays that way. Teddy Bridgewater, more than a serviceable QB. Plenty of teams would like to have him the way he's playing right now. And you've got mm -hmm. um, other weapons that with Coach Payton and the way that he's been game planning, you would have to have faith that, I, I hate to say you'd be good enough to get by, but that's just it. You would be good enough to get by without those players. Yeah, and I, I, the, the player that really jumps out in that scenario is Kamara to me. Um, I, is, is it worth it to have him back week? What would it be? Week week eight next week, or do you want him fully healthy down the stretch when you're you're in January and you, and you need a fresh bag? Because I mean, the injury he's got is really more of a of a kind of a, a accumulation of, of of nicks and bruises throughout the first few weeks of the season. It wasn't necessarily a a major blow. So um, I don't think I mean sitting him one more week to me. Uh, would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, Jared Cook, I look, he left the game last week in a boot, so um, and he hadn't practiced. So unless he all of a sudden is able to go and practice, I, I don't know if he uh, is able to, you know, uh, come back and and play uh, against Arizona. And Breeze's case is kind of hard to discuss. I mean, it, it, his is kind of a special case just because he's been out for a while and he's Drew Brees, so he's kind of got that, you know, he's got a little bit of. Uh, uh, status, if you will. So if, if he feels like he can go, he's at least going to have a much more, a much stronger argument than perhaps uh, some of the other players. But still, um, even if they can't go, they've proven that they can win. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, give Sean Payton kind of the chess pieces that he has and let him come in with his coaching staff, devise his game plan, and get out with victory and get into the bye week uh, and come back with the second half strong. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. You you want to come into that second half strong because you look uh, across the NFC, and I think a couple teams are sh are starting to separate themselves. You've got the Packers mm -hmm. uh, with a pretty yep. dominant win at home. Um, you've got uh, the 49ers, who uh, I'm still not 100% conv convinced, but they're also undefeated at this point, so it's really hard to argue against that. Uh, they play in some bad weather in Washington, and come away with a 9 to nothing win, but clearly they're a defense at the very least to be reckoned with. Garoppolo still has a lot, little bit to convince me on. Um, and then you, I think the Rams, I, I don't really count them out of it yet. If they ever do snap back, they're still so talented that they can be a difficult team. It, it's just they, they got to win their own division first and foremost. But um, I say all that to say I think the Saints uh, are among that group, if not leading that group, because not just of their results, but the results and and who they've done it with and where they've done it, winning at Seattle, winning in Chicago, um, at home defeating a Dallas team with Teddy Bridgewater, winning in Jacksonville. Um, there's not a whole lot of teams that you can say would be as injured as the Saints were and pull off some of these victories. And to me, that that's the sign of a, an obviously a, a talented team, but a team with a coaching staff, complete coaching staff, Peyton, uh, Dennis Allen, you name it, that is on their game right now. Man, I was discussing that last night at dinner, uh, the coaching staff. I mean, think about it. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, Nolan, uh, Aaron Glenn, uh, Dan Roshar, Sean Payton, you know, Dennis Allen. I mean, Dennis Allen hadn't had that stint in Oakland. He would be one of the highest, hottest names in, in coaching right now, uh, just as far as head coaching candidates. Uh, you know, Pete Carmichael. And you look at the depth on the roster. The depth—I mean, the, the people making decisions in the front office. This is about as 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 good of a, a period right now at all levels of this team uh, to where the operation kind of is, where you can lose your Hall of Fame quarterback. And we had this conversation week two after the loss to L.A. and the fear that everyone seemed to have, and just the, the fear of the unknown that no one had really ever dealt with before. 
uh, and to still be in the conversation uh, for the one seed at this point for uh, you know best team in the NFC, it really is remarkable. And it, it, it's you know he makes it, think of all the years that the Saints rolled the dice with Luke McCown, Chase Daniel, uh, Mark Brunel, Jamie Martin back in 2006, and Breeze was available all that time, and then. They finally get a, a an upgrade, the backup position, and that's when Brees finally gets the injury. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where it all just kind of wherever their injuries was, it's like right where they signed uh, quality depth. So um, it really is something to watch. And I know this: keep on winning because I see Green Bay is winning a lot. I see San Francisco is winning a lot. And if they or if those three teams, the you know Forty ers Packers, and Saints end up uh, kind of the top three class of the uh, NFC. I don't know about you, Chris. But I'm not sure about Green Bay in January. So uh, keep <laughs> yeah. on winning. Hopefully, uh, I don't. Want, I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I know down the road that that makes a difference of what you play in January. Yeah, no Green Bay in January, and I'm sure after the last time they played a playoff game out in San Francisco, Saints <clears throat> fans probably don't want to see that either. Those two are uh, podcast subjects for another day. Sean Fazan, thank you for right. joining us from the road. Before you guys go, a quick reminder and request to subscribe to this podcast channel to automatically get all of our content. Also, please rate and review the podcast to help us spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit a question. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next time on Overtime. Chip for star, he knows the law, he knows the law. Chip for star, chip for star, he's care of it all. Chip for star. At Keesler Federal Credit Union, if it's important to you, it's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer, you're a member. And we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.